This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild. From the ashes of that great conflict... A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The league is unlimited. Original series starring every superhero worth cheering for at Benside. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to episode 252 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account, Liam. Liam, we are continuing here in our month of Justice League slash Justice League Unlimited reviews. We had a a fun one last week that we covered, but uh, this week we're working on a little bit of synergy, corporate synergy, if you're uh, you're (laughs) listening to the original air date of this episode. Uh, This weekend, a a pretty important DC Comics film dropped into movie theaters, and uh, we figured we'd take advantage of some of those hashtags and the general interest in that lead character with a review of his uh, only appearance in the Justice League Unlimited episode we're tackling today. That's right. Uh, no, we're not talking about that Scooby-Doo crypto movie, that uh, Crypto the Superdog movie that that leaked online uh, last <laughs> week. But uh, no, we're, of course, we're talking about uh, we're talking about Shazam, or as he was and still sort of sometimes is known, Captain Marvel, not that one. Uh, and uh, of course we have Shazam, the, the sequel to the 2019 movie, the live action movie in theaters uh, this weekend as of uh, as of recording time. We thought what better time to tackle a, uh, a very famous and uh, memorable episode of Justice League Unlimited, appropriately titled Clash. That is right. And uh, as we mentioned last week, this is the next installment in the Cadmus story arc that was uh, taking place here in Justice League Unlimited. Um, arguably, and I think once we get through today's uh, today's episode, uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. But I, I, I dare say the best writing uh, in in the entire as far as like long term storytelling is concerned 
man, it's hard to beat these Cadmus story arc episodes, but uh, we will delve into our plot in just a moment here. Uh, Liam, briefly, before we get into the plot, uh, interestingly enough, and and uh, I didn't know where to slot this in, so we'll start before we discuss the plot. But of course, Captain Marvel famously has had an interesting relationship when it comes to DC Comics, and there's sort of a reason why he didn't make any appearances in DC animation before this and why it, he may have only made one appearance overall. And that's because the, the general rights to the Captain Marvel character, AKA Shazam character are one uh, is, is a story in and of itself and, and how DC comics came to own this character, his origins, him being initially like sort of uh, sort of what was believed to be sort of a uh, inspired or spoof of or perhaps a direct copy, depending on who you ask, of the, the original Superman character. Uh, boy, this guy had a long and winding road to make it into a, uh, a DC animated property. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, Cap Captain Marvel Shazam is uh, is is really uh, you know, a character that dates back decades and decades. And as you mentioned, you know, if he, it, a little bit of a squint test uh, clearly, you know, bears a somewhat of a resemblance to Superman, the, you know, the dark hair, the square jaw, the the red, you know, red and, and red and yellow in his costume. Uh, so he much so that. Uh, <laughs> Yes, uh, and uh, so so much so that uh, the DC, or as they were known at the times, National Comics, uh, brought a a lengthy and uh, vicious lawsuit <laughs> against uh, Fawcett Publications, as it was known at the time. Um, which, after you know, it was a long drawn out process, but it based what basically ends up happening is that Fawcett Publications went out of business. And, and kind of sold off some of their characters, a lot of them to uh, Charlton Comics, which also ended up getting bought by DC eventually. <laughs> um, and so, yes, it was a long and arduous journey to get uh, get here. But eventually DC National and uh, National Comics, as they were known, did obtain the rights or purchase the rights to this Captain Marvel character and uh, and and brought them into the DC universe proper. Um, however, that's uh, that's only half the battle, really, when you talk about legal legal troubles involving this char character, because there was also like with uh, Batman, like with Wonder Woman, uh, there was a, a Captain Marvel or Shazam TV show in the in the 1970s. And uh, once a show has been made and in those days, they were usually made in partnership with a a television network. Uh, that kind of complicates anyone else ever using those characters again. Um, Wonder Woman has had complications with that over the years as far as uh, her not being able to appear in the Batman Beyond episode, The Call. Um, obviously, Aquaman uh, had, uh, had that issue later on as well in, in the later seasons of Justice League Unlimited. Um, so Captain Marvel, Shazam, not alone in that uh, department. But yes, it's a... It's a uh, thorny and complicated, uh, tangled web to mix metaphors here. And uh, but thankfully, at least we were able to get one appearance. There was actually, as mentioned, there's some trivia. I uh, saw some some quotes from uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who's one of the writers, of course, credited on this episode. 
that there had been uh, there had been at least one other time they had tried to work him into Justice League in the episode hereafter, uh, in the spot that it was going to Lobo. Amusingly enough, he was going to be. They wanted Captain Marvel to be the original sort of replacement Superman in uh, in that episode. And then on the uh, on the other hand, I think they had they had some plans going back as far as uh, even Superman the animated series. They always kind of had the idea of wanting to play off this fight since since they've been allowed to appear in the same comic book. Uh, Superman and Shazam have uh, have come to blows quite a few times, and I think they were kind of itching uh, to do that. And it even complicated uh, Captain Marvel starring in his own animated series at one point as as a DCAU legend, Paul Dini, and, you know, one of the most legendary comic book artists there is Alex Ross had worked on a pitch and that kind of got, uh, got stuck in development hell due to the legal issues with it. So just a long and winding complicated road, but we arrive at this episode and, you know, suffice to say they did not squander the opportunity with their, their one shot, their, their Eminem reference here uh, to, uh, to use this character. Yes, and we're not even going to go into the fact that uh, Marvel Comics also had some legal issues with them using the name Captain Marvel. When yeah, they- I was going to say, there's a reason that there's never been a comic called Captain Marvel, that is <laughs> or at least since DC has owned it. Like, they could call him Captain Marvel inside the pages, but not the, but the 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 comic itself had to be called Shazam or or some variation of that. Absolutely insane. Very well worth the uh, the research if you're interested. There's lots of information out there on Fawcett uh, Fawcett Publishing and and the DC or National Publishing at the time uh, lawsuit. Very fascinating stuff if you're a, if you're a bit of a nerd like us and enjoy uh, kind of looking at some of comic book history there. But Liam, for today, we might as well move forward with our four categories for today as we break down this week's episode and give it a final score. Before we do, we of course are going to get the official IMDb synopsis brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower to check out every single review that we've done to date. All 251 prior episodes plus 43 bonus episodes at youtube.com slash The Pod Tower. Not only do you get our entire catalog, but some great content from other DCAU content creators. Absolutely. So this is the synopsis for Clash, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie and J.M. DeMatteis, directed by Dan Reba, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners, and animation by Dong Wu. And that synopsis reads as such. Captain Marvel joins the Justice League, and his innocent presence inadvertently causes friction with Superman. Mm, I mean, it's not very descriptive. Seems like it could have been a little bit more forthcoming with some of the... I mean, it's, it, it sums up the first uh, like five minutes of the episode or so, I would Correct. say. Yeah, you're leaving um, out a, but, a pretty, uh, pretty big plot point. <laughs> but yeah, we can uh, we can get into it uh, with here with... Uh, What's a pretty exciting episode. We we start out with uh, the parasite wreaking havoc in Metropolis fighting. What a ragtag crew of Justice Leaguers we have in this opening sequence here <laughs> of an elongated man, Metamorpho and Batman fighting the parasite in uh, in Metropolis. And we get uh, we get to the point where, as the parasite is wont to do, he's absorbing various Leaguers powers and 
that leaves Batman a little bit outgunned, and uh, so the it's time to call in some reinforcements. Joe, we're in trouble. Are you asking for help? Yes. You never ask for help. Just get us some reinforcements. Unfortunately, no. It's the parasite. Give me half a minute and I'll be right. I love it. Batman's growing up a little bit. You know, this is the even even (laughs) Hunter has to has to acknowledge. He's like, after Batman asks for help, he's like, you never ask for help. Like what what's happening here? (laughs) I think it is just character development with Batman recognizing, Hey, I have these other people that at my disposal, we're fighting this guy in Metropolis. Why don't we call in for backup? You know, why am I trying to, why am I trying to do this when I have the, a, a super powered alien at my disposal? And what, what else could you ask for? Yeah, absolutely. So from there, we of course uh, have Jean radioing Superman, who is doing just one of those classic Superman things, which is of course saving a plane that's lost its wing and is uh, cra- head- hurtling towards the ground. As uh, he's sort of problem solving with his with his powers, he gets the call and tells Jean he'll be right there once he uh, sets the plane down. But we see a red blur fly past the screen and kind of up uh, almost uh, shock Superman. So when, and by the time Superman arrives on the scene, well, everything's been taken care of and uh, literally wrapped into a nice little bow <laughs> as, uh, as the new hero on the scene, Captain Marvel has defeated the parasite off screen. And, uh, and is uh, we, we learned that he was sort of recruited by the league while Superman was uh, off planet. So they've never met and Superman's apparently never even heard of him before. And uh, it's clear there's a little bit of friction kind of right off the bat as uh, as it's clear that not only uh, not only the league, but also the uh, the Metropolis press is quite taken with uh, with Captain Marvel, who's giving an interview to uh, to Lois Lane, among other reporters, and uh, in, in talking about how happy he is to join the Justice League. Uh, has a little bit of a, I guess, a, a snafu, one might call it. Gosh, take it easy, folks. One at a time, okay? Lois Lane, Captain Daily Planet. How does it feel to be part of the Justice League? How does it feel? Like I've waited my whole life for this. I mean, being on the same team with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. I still can't believe they actually let me join. (laughs) (laughs) What is it you value so much about the League? Golly, I guess it's all the good they do. Not just helping people, which is great. I mean, that's the reason we're all here in the first place, right? But they really make a difference. They change the world. How so? Well, just look at Lex Luthor. He used to be a supervillain for Pete's sake, and now he's one of the good guys. I think it's terrific that he's running for president, don't you? Uh, are you moving to Metropolis from Fawcett City? No, ma'am. I help where I'm needed, but I'm a Fawcett boy at heart. Sorry, folks, but I really gotta go. Talks about how how proud he is part of this league and how they uh, not only are they heroes that catch bad guys but they also 
look to redeem people, people like Lex Luthor. And isn't it great that Lex Luthor is running for president? <laughs> and uh, and that's uh, <laughs> and that's where we kick it off. There is as the captain excuses himself and flies away in a hurry. And we get our, our reveal. If you're new to the concept of this character, which is that, of course, when he says the magic word, he transforms from the superhero into a, a regular old kid and uh, kids have to go to school. So he's uh, he's rushing to class and gets a little bit of a lecture from his teacher about uh, about how he needs to take a little bit more responsibility for himself as as we get some some ironic consequences for for the kid who just saved Metropolis. <laughs> That's right. And uh, slide in here a, a little trivia tidbit. If you didn't know, it was uh, found on the DCAU wiki. The, uh, the, high, the, the school, the middle school, I guess, that he's going to, or elementary school, is named the C.C. Binder Elementary School. So named after uh, the co-creators, C.C. Beck and uh, – his longtime collaborator Otto Binder. So that's pretty neat that the I'm not a surprise at all that the DCAU, you know, the the people in charge of the DCAU decided to slip in some some cute little Easter eggs there. But uh, yes, as as we uh, we return to to Captain Marvel, no longer Billy Batson, he's uh, doing his rounds on the on the watchtower. It's pretty awesome to see because you you get this kid who's sitting in in this this elementary school, and then you realize that Captain Marvel. Uh, something about Captain Marvel is that he very much is a kid in an adult's body. Like he, he very much carries some Mm -hmm. of those those very innocent characteristics with him, Uh, you know, golly and gosh and oh boy and uh, holy moly, or like his catchphrases. Like he's very, he's very off shucks, leave it to beaver type character, (laughs) Um, you know? So, and that carries with him just because he's transformed into this adult human male uh, that, uh, that has these superpowers doesn't mean that he's uh, no longer the, the child. So it's kind of like this, this thing. And they establish that as he's kind of walking through the watchtower, seeing all the different leaguers and just kind of being in all of them and trying to, trying to chat them up. And um, he's interrupted as he's doing his rounds and, and called to the proverbial principal's office by Superman. And it's, uh, it's not just Superman who's in there, but it is in fact the original seven as they are there all waiting in and just kind of looking at him. And uh, Superman begins to sort of read him the riot act. And, and, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's very clear that he's disappointed in this comment that he's made about Lex Luthor running for president. Uh, Captain Marvel very much caught off guard is is sort of not not aware, I guess, or not understanding the sort of the background that uh, he and he and Superman have together. But even beyond that. He kind of likes the idea that that uh, the people can be redeemed. And he says it without a bit of irony as as Hawkgirl is sitting right there. Shaira is at the table. And I mm-hmm. again, I, I don't think he meant that as a as an insult or or a or said it on purpose. But it is something that plays into our 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 upcoming scene that features Lex Luthor. But it's very clear that uh, he's getting a, a verbal tongue lashing here from the uh, from the original seven and uh, advise him to no longer speak to the media. They certainly uh, don't do don't do so without speaking to Superman first. And uh, and uh, he's sort of left with his tail, but, uh, you know, walks away with his tail between his legs, having received this really, really severe, brutal, verbal beatdown. When you joined this team, you became something more than just a hero. I know that, sir, but 
You became a symbol. A symbol that represents all of us. Yes, sir. We don't play favorites, we don't sell deodorant on television, and we don't get involved in politics. Yes, sir. And we certainly don't endorse supervillains for the presidency. Now, now wait a minute. I never said that I was endorsing Luthor. Just that I think it's great that someone like him can change into a good guy. Life just isn't that simple. Well, maybe it is sometimes. Maybe people can change. Can't they? You are not to make any more public statements without running them past the League first. Is that understood? Yes, sir. Um, then, uh, so afterwards, uh, after he's given this lecture about this, uh, Superman is uh, seen sitting on a couch watching the aforementioned Lex Luthor on the Phil O'Bannon show. <laughs> Again, a, a, a conglomeration of different talking heads from the, the Fox News Network. Uh, and uh, and he's interviewing one Lex Luthor who is there. Uh, at first, we believe he's going to talk a little bit about about his presidential campaign, but uh, Lex is uh, plays that off. He's not there to talk about his presidential campaign. No, he's there to discuss his brand new construction project for low income families in Metropolis called Lexor City, which in and of itself is a Easter egg as well. Uh, but uh, Lexor mm-hmm. City, he's promising that he's uh, this low, these uh, modern, uh, clean, fun houses for these low income families for safe and f- in a safe and friendly community. And um, it's interesting because uh, at this point, the host O'Bannon brings up the fact that, hey, people aren't likely to believe you based on some of the the actions that you've done in the past. And uh, Luther says that he doesn't he doesn't quite uh, hold that against them and sees that, but points to the Justice League as an example. The fact that they welcomed back Hawkgirl, who, you know, led this invasion of, of Earth and against them. And the fact that and he makes it very clear the fact that they have forgiven her. He doesn't say that we have forgiven her. He says that the Justice Leaguers have decided to forgive her, that mm-hmm. uh, that perhaps that that people would be willing to uh, show Lex that same sort of grace. So very, very subtly here, he's establishing this power dynamic in the, and trying to, to put seeds of doubt out there as to just, Hey, these justice leaguers are the ones that are deciding what's right, what's wrong, who's in, who's out, what's a forgivable sin, what isn't a forgivable sin. And uh, it, it kind of sets up, what we're going to see later on in the series, of course. But uh, yeah, we have uh, we have a, a very interesting dialogue here. And Superman is is watching this all as it happens. And uh, he's he's not too pleased about that, I, I, I guess. He's a little bit irritated, <laughs> to, to say the least. Let's be straight here, Lex. There are people out there right now rolling their eyes. They're saying that Lex Luthor hasn't changed, that he can't be trusted. <laughs> can't say I blame them. But people can change. Take Hawk Girl, for instance. You take her. <laughs> now, Phil. Hey, what you watching? Shh. My point is, yes, she betrayed the Justice League. Yes, as a consequence of her actions, the Thanagarians almost destroyed our planet. But seeing as how the League has welcomed her back into the fold, they've apparently forgiven her and offered her a second chance. 
they've taken a lot of heat for that decision. Maybe they're being naive. Some might say dangerously so. Or maybe they just want to give her a chance to redeem herself. According to Captain Marvel, they're giving me the same benefit of the doubt. And believe me, I intend to make the most of it. Lexor City is my way of accepting their goodwill and passing it on. I hear there's a huge open house event tomorrow night with all proceeds going to charity. That's right, Phil. And I'm hoping Superman will attend. I know how much he loves charities. Yeah, it's uh, this episode is all about how um, exceptionally good Lex Luthor is at pushing <laughs> pushing Superman's buttons, which is uh, and it results in in ridiculous fashion, as we'll get to. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's very good at it, and he's also, as as mentioned, uh, is very much throwing a very real point that you could point to and say that Superman and by extension the Justice League are hypocritical to allow Shaira back into the group and and promote her as a hero and make her one of the you know she's in the, she's in the the big she's got a seat at the big conference table uh when her actions almost destroyed the entire planet which mm-hmm. is you know would have resulted in in more deaths than anything Lex Luthor ever did so mm-hmm. like it's there's i think the best and we've you know we've talked about this before i think the best the best villain arguments are generally ones where there's uh there's some truth to it where where there's some uh there's some uh there's a nugget of uh, well you kind of got me there and i think that that does exist here and also again lex is doing it clearly to push superman's buttons but uh, at the end of the interview he mentions that he's uh, he's doing a big a charity event to uh, to kick off this lexor city uh, and uh, he invites superman to join him to try to uh, help raise some money for charity and and superman's sort of uh left stroking his chin not sure what to make of things from uh, from there we got to a pretty fun little scene because this could have just been batman and superman having a conversation in the watchtower uh in the batmobile wherever you know wherever it could have been but uh, they instead choose to have them uh, fighting this very random group of uh, of silver age supervillains called the cadre uh or the cadre i'm not sure if you pronounce the e or not but uh but uh that they are uh, fighting just these very wacky guys uh, and and sort of having this conversation at the same time where even batman is sort of wondering if if superman's being too hard on captain marvel if he's being too uh too aggressive in his stance here and before they can really have that conversation on a deeper level. They get a, a call from uh, Emil Hamilton's evil twin brother uh, <laughs> who, who instructs them that there's been a break-in at Star Labs. So Superman and Batman race there. And uh, at the time, they figure out that nothing the, nothing too much was stolen except for, of course, a whole lot of kryptonite. And, uh, and apparently the lock that uh, that how the, the vault that housed this uh, this amount of kryptonite uh, the lock had been picked using nanotechnology uh, <laughs> your favorite cal a nanotechnology um and specifically lex corpse uh nanotechnology so superman of course feels that lex is up to no good and is trying to set him up at this charity event but batman doesn't really want him to jump to conclusions and and tells him to sort of calm down Go to the charity event, raise some money, and you can keep an eye on Lex while 
while Batman and the Atom and, and whoever else get to uh, to look back at this and then try to investigate a little bit further. So we uh, we head to our, our final act here as as Superman and Lex are cutting the ribbon and Lex is giving this just incredibly like over the top <laughs> speech about how this is the proudest day of his life. And we'll talk about I don't I wasn't sure whether to put this in visuals or voice acting, but there's something so funny about Lex in this episode mm-hmm. that uh, that I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yes, he's, as Lex is sort of giving this wonderful speech and talking about how proud he is, uh, Mercy uh, enters the scene uh, for the first time in quite a while chronologically, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and mentions something mentions something to Lex, which of course uh, Superman is able to overhear. And that is that the device has been set up and the countdown is on. And Lex mentioned something about needing an, ex- an escape route planned. Just think of it, ladies and gentlemen. 30,000 people who'll never again have to worry about a roof over their heads, about a safe, clean environment for their children. 30,000 people. I'm sorry, but this... This is truly the greatest day of my life. I never knew you had such a sentimental streak, Lex. Oh, there's so much about me you don't know, Superman. I'd like to thank the Man of Steel for putting aside our differences and lending his prestigious presence to this very special night. Anything for a good cause. To Superman, our hero. Excuse me, Lex. I'll be back in just a moment. Don't eat too much. <laughs> if you have just a moment, I'd love to ask you one question. The device is in place. T minus six minutes. Excellent. Make sure my escape route is secure. At which point, Superman looks around with his x ray vision and finds some sort of device with a countdown clock. And of course, he confronts Lex and accuses him of planting some sort of bomb or some other sort of weapon down below in the bowels of the city, in the sort of this maintenance shaft down below the uh, below where they're standing on this playground. And uh, Lex is is quick to try to justify it and claim that uh, it's not, uh, in fact, a weapon or a bomb, but is in fact a a fusion reactor that's going to supply limitless clean energy. For the people of, of Lexor City using uh, using a fusion engine, but of course that fusion is uh, is created through uh, kryptonite. Which uh, so he's telling him that it's a kryptonite powered energy source, and so Superman. The reason he shielded it in lead is because uh, of course he's trying to protect Superman from the radiation. Superman's not buying it, but uh, Captain Marvel, who had uh, sort of snuck in with the, the rest of the kids, who had a uh, been on hand for the for the charity event as as is Billy Batson disguise transforms into back into Captain Marvel and confronts Superman tries to get him to calm down suggests that they call in uh, Steel or the Atom to save uh, to uh, to look over the device but Superman is so convinced and he knows there's a ticking clock and he just won't hear it and uh, so what else can you do but uh, as uh, as Ken Watanabe famously says in that gif all the time it's time to let them fight (laughs) 
and boy howdy do they have one hell of a fight um it is mm-hmm. it is vicious and violent i wrote down a snyder worthy scene of destruction <laughs> i couldn't believe how much like like i never read anything that said man of steel like took from this episode but even to the point where superman gets like knocked into the bank vault like that's there's a shot in man of steel that's that mm-hmm. yeah there's a there's a lot there's going th- i mean it's just all of luxor city is is completely destroyed it is it is <laughs> it is bow to bow throwing people through windows windows getting smashed whole buildings getting collapse or getting torn down and, and collapsing uh as you mentioned the the bank vault getting thrown into the bank vault the bank vault is used as a battering ram and a hammer it's it is vicious close fists between two superpowered individuals earth's mightiest mortal as uh as shazam captain marvel is known and uh the last son of krypton boy they they go at it for 12 rounds here and uh it is it is vicious uh eventually uh, superman does begin to overpower him after smashing him over and over again multiple times with the the bank vault in hand he's able to uh to kind of get away long enough to to burrow into the sand and beneath the uh the playground that they have to make his way towards this device that ca- continues to count down uh, captain marvel is close behind him and uh, they begin to fight underground a little bit and then we get uh my favorite trope uh that was taken directly from the kingdom come uh, amazing alex ross mark wade written story uh, where captain marvel uses the the shazam lightning in order to uh to continually shock superman shazam fight's over son he kind of gets him in a bear hug and says shazam over and over again in order to to shock superman if if you've read kingdom come you know uh what uh how how important that was and that what incredible scene that was and that that graphic novel but uh superman is able to eventually reverse the bear hug and and the lightning strikes shazam turning him back into billy batson and superman is able to muffle Billy before he's able to say Shazam again to turn back into into uh, into Shazam and uh, he then uh, gags him with a with like a handkerchief and is able to rush to the to the reactor and uses his heat vision to melt it down and uh, we get uh, the a, a sort of a postscript of that is the Adam has finally been called in to do his uh, his research to find out if Lex was telling the truth and sh- believe it or not Lex was indeed telling the truth. He finds out as we see uh, him sort of dissecting it. And he gives the, uh, the unfortunate news to Superman who is then sort of left there very red faced and, and embarrassed and uh, quickly, quickly recognizes that the destruction around him was, was not needed and uh, offers, <laughs> offers the justice league's finances, <laughs> quote unquote, as he looks over his shoulder at Batman to uh, to pay for and rebuild uh, Luxor City, but 
we have a very dejected and sad Lex Luthor who's standing there holding a decapitated head of a of the children of a child statue that was uh, sort of the centerpiece of the the Luxor city. It was a statue of Lex and a child uh, standing there. They in the in the melee, the child was uh, the statue was decapitated. So Lex is there holding the decapitated head and walks away saying, no, he insists this one is this one's on him uh, as he walks away with the uh, with the child <laughs> walking away with the severed head of the uh, <laughs> of the child as all of the press looks on. Even Lois looks a little bit sympathetic. So to, uh, to Alexis flight in this moment. It's it's incredible. The man knows uh, knows about optics. He sure does. You know, that that word didn't that wasn't infected in our uh, political lexicon in uh, when this was produced. But Lex's optics just uh, chef's kiss. Can't <laughs> couldn't do any better. Well, it uh, seems to be exactly what Luthor said it was. I I'm sorry. I I didn't. If anyone should apologize, Superman, it's me. I shouldn't have tried to make the free power a surprise. Given the circumstances, I should have known better. Of course, the Justice League will pay for the damage. Oh, no, I won't allow it. This one's on me. Indeed, and uh, so then then we get uh, we get a final scene back at the Watchtower as uh, as the original seven are once again uh, greeted by Captain Marvel, who's walked into the uh, who's walked into the into the. Do we have a room name for the uh, for the for the room with the the round table on it? Is there a so like a? There's I don't not think an so. Right? Yeah. Okay. All right. They walk into the room with the table, <laughs> the executive room, and the conference room. Uh, the conference room, and uh, and they are once again the original seven are all seated there as as uh, Captain Marvel is uh, greeted by Superman, who begins to sort of apologize, but uh, Captain Marvel cuts him off and makes it very clear that uh, he's really not interested in hearing what anybody has to say, but um, he at that point gives his uh gives a sort of really sad soliloquy of um saying that he's going to quit the justice league because the justice league doesn't act like heroes anymore and uh, mm-hmm. he talks about not only did he look up to the entire justice league as his heroes but he he especially looked up to superman and uh superman really has disappointed him at this point and for that reason he's quitting and uh, he sort of walks out and leaves leaves the league there, sort of uh, sort of in silence. And uh, Superman begins to begins to talk and and sort of own his part of what had happened. But Bruce is very quick to to acknowledge and and try and comfort him and let him know that he was set up by both of them, or they set him up. And uh, Superman sort of pauses for a second and then realizes what he said and tries to figure out what he means by they. And that's where we get our our final scene of the episode. The plan worked better than I'd hoped. All I wanted was for Superman to destroy the energy source. But battling Captain Marvel? Demolishing Lexor City while those media morons filmed every horrific moment? It was more than I ever could have hoped for. Everything's going according to plan. And 
we are just getting started. Because he pops some champagne and pours two glasses, hands one of the flutes to uh, to this shadowy figure who steps out of the shadows. And it is, of course, none other than Amanda Waller, who is obviously at this point in cahoots with Lex. There's some sort of diabolical plan here they have setting up the Justice League to uh, continue to to have some some bad press run ins. And we'll figure out what uh, just what that is as we we go into our next episodes here in that that arc down the line. But uh, boy, what a what a great ending, Liam. How do you put a bow on this this uh, this this entire plot here? Uh, to me, this is and we, we talked about this at the start of the episode. You mentioned that this is often looked at this whole Cadmus arc is often looked at as maybe the, the creative high point of the series mm-hmm. uh, of, of any of these series, in fact. Um, and this episode, I think is beginning to tell you why that is like the little snippets we've gotten in like the doomsday sanction or the task force X episode. Those episodes are fun and, and there's a lot of cool characters and you get a little bit of the inner workings and, and who's involved and then, and, you know, kind of what they're after and what the plan is. But this one, it really begins to take hold. I think what, what they were trying to say mm-hmm. <laughs> with all of this. And, and we've talked about this before this episode, this series aired during, uh, you know, the, the years of the Bush White House when American foreign policy overreach was very much a topic on those talking head shows that were parodied in this very episode mm-hmm. still is to this day, of course, but you know, other, other uh, domestic problems have maybe taken the shine off of that. But the idea of the, the cowboys, you know, the, the good guys, quote unquote, going in and wrecking shop because we got to stop the bad guys and we know best and not, not listening to anyone else who's saying, hey, maybe we should take a moment here and try to figure out what's going on. Uh, even if there are, as we as we found out, right, it's, Lex really was up to no good. It really was a setup. It really was a plot. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't change the fact that Superman, through his actions, demolished an entire city <laughs> and, and, you know, beat up another superhero in his quest and... Mm-hmm. and so to me, this is an episode that really begins to shape up what what this whole arc is about. It's not just, oh, there's an evil an evil conspiracy to make Superman mad. That's part of it. <laughs> that's mostly that's like ninety percent of what Lex is after. <laughs> Spoiler mm-hmm. alert! It's just to mm-hmm. make Superman mad. Mm-hmm. But uh, but but at the end of the day, it's also sort of a larger meditation on those with the most power and how they act and how important it is that they don't just act suddenly and without thought Mm -hmm. and don't run in guns blazing. And to me, this episode and, and framing that through the eyes of, of, you know, the captain Marvel character who sort of almost sometimes feels like it's been uh, preserved in Amber and is still like a 1950s pulp, hero saying golly and holy moly and all this stuff and he's he's a more simplified you know less of a three-dimensional character at least for this version he sort of played that way and the fact that he is a literal child so getting to see the child sort of experience what the way he thought of his heroes of the good guys 
and then see that they're fallible and that they don't always make the right decision and that they are you know, capable of getting swept up in their anger and mistrust and frustration, just like anyone else. Uh, like, I just, I just think this episode's brilliant, like to me and to wrap it all up in a fun little package of, of superhero action. This is, this is one of those episodes that works. If you watch this when you're eight years old, it works. If you watch it when you're 16 years old, it works. If you watch it when you're 30 years old, uh, <laughs> as I can now attest, like there's, there's so many layers to this and, and to have the finger pointed in their face and say, you don't act like heroes anymore. And it's also, I think maybe sort of also a larger meta commentary on superheroes as a genre Mm -hmm. and how they've had to get darker and grittier over time to appeal to an audience that isn't just children anymore. And how sometimes maybe that goes too far Mm -hmm. and we make them too dark and gritty and too much, too much a reflection of our real world and we lose some of the the hopefulness that you know that draws us to these characters in the first place like there's so much tied into this like it's it's a it's an onion like it's it there's so many layers to this that i and i think they all come together in just like perfect harmony for this episode i i yeah there's as you're saying this, I'm thinking of like four different directions. The the one that you mentioned um, that actually ties into your your idea of like this working no matter what age you are. The audience is sort of like the is Billy Batson in this episode. You're learning that you're growing up. Unfortunately, you're learning yeah. that the people that you idolize, the people that you look up to, the people that you Unfortunately, because of the world that we live in, regardless of whoever your hero is, there is sure to be some sort of dark side or time in your life. Give them long enough and there will be time for them to let you down in some way. Uh, if mm-hmm. you, whether you whether you want to admit it or not, it's just it's human nature because we're flawed individuals. You you will learn at some point you will be Billy Batson facing your hero, whoever that is. And recognizing, provided that hero is an actual living, breathing human being and not a comic book <laughs> character, but, but you know what I mean. Like you, you, you'll face them, whether it's a parent, a teacher, a celebrity, you know, whatever, whatever that that, that a politician, whatever that, ha- whoever that is, you will come face to face with the reality one day that that person is fallible, is has a dark side, has has parts of them that are ugly and dirty and nasty. And as much as we want to sit here and believe that that our heroes are these godlike heroes, these people that we can look up to and idolize, the truth is is that th- yeah, that's that that's not that's not true. That's not real. So we, mm-hmm. you, the audience, one day will come to face to face, much like Billy Batson with, with your, that, with that idea that man, and it may not be as severe where you decide to disown the person at that point or not want to have anything to do with that. But honestly, as much as people talk about, you know, cancel culture or whatever in, in today's day and age, a lot of that stems from that reaction or realizing that these people that we've put up on these platforms or have these high expectations for oftentimes Mm -hmm. do not meet those expectations. And because of that, yeah, you're, you disappointed me. I don't, I don't really want to have anything to do with you anymore. I don't, 
I, you lost that spot as a, as a, as a person in my life for me to look up to. So I think, I think there's also co- and some commentary in this episode that you could apply to like the idea of redemption and people that do deserve mm-hmm. it or people, you know, that people will, there are people that will take advantage of that and people that are sincere. Um, you know, so you have that dynamic. Interestingly, 18 years ago, they were, they were sort of, you know, the layer of cancel culture was still there so much, <laughs> so much you could, you could look for in this episode, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. The idea that again, we look at this, it's a children's cartoon. Yes, it's on Cartoon Network. Yes, it's it. This originally debuted uh, 18, almost 18 years ago, June the 11th, 2005. So, yes, it was on Cartoon Network. These were generally came on at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. So it's a eight o'clock at night. Saturday episode is not necessarily like a Saturday morning cartoon. So maybe the audience is, is skewed a little bit. But still, at, at its heart, it is a children's cartoon. So you're dealing with these deep heavy, real things uh, that, that uh, you know, you don't see in other cartoons. So yeah, this is a masterpiece. Um, you know, as we talked about Mr. McDuffie's mm-hmm. writing, J.M. DeMatteis was responsible for the teleplay and then um, Dan Rebo was the director. So you have, mm-hmm. you have just incredible synergy between all three of them. Like what an incredible piece of art this episode is. And, you know, I, I, I think there's probably better episodes. There might be better episodes as we go go through the rest of this arc uh, in the future. But boy, this one really stands out to me as just a it's an incredible piece, incredible piece of writing. As you mentioned, the layers just, I think, create such an interesting dynamic for it. Um, so I had no choice but to give this a perfect 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Same same, same exact score here. 10 out of 10 for me as well. It's just for, for all the reasons we just talked about it. I, uh, yeah, like I said, I, this is, I think this is just, it's, it's one of those things we talked about this a very long time ago. I think, uh, back in, uh, when we reviewed, uh, mask of the phantasm for the first time, which was, uh, in, within our first 10 episodes, I think, uh, about how, uh, about how, when this movie, that movie came out, uh, the famous, uh, uh, syndicated show with, uh, the movie critics Siskel and Ebert did a did a feature on on Mask of the Phantasm, and they talked about how that movie sort of helped them see animation as a vehicle in a different light, and how and how you know they thought that story was even more emotionally moving and interesting than the the live action Batman movies and, and things like that. And and it sounds kind of silly to do now, I think, because we had the Pixar renaissance of, of the nineties and the two thousands. And I think people see anime, you know, Eastern and Western animations as it's, it's a storytelling tool. It can, it can be made, you know, very simplistic stories for children. It can also, you know, tell very deep and meaningful stories. And I think it's just fascinating. Like we said, to see a story that works on a level where yes, you can, you can watch this from the Billy Batson perspective. You can watch this from, from Superman's perspective and who's just like in the end we know even before we get that reveal at the end that that Lex and and Cadmus are teaming up to discredit the Justice League and and hurt Superman's reputation before we even know that you know we know Superman's a good guy we you know we have so many episodes of of his own series and then Justice League we know he's not intentionally bullying people or or making the wrong decision so we can we can see 
the way his buttons are being pressed in this episode so specifically and and in the way that at the same time maybe captain marvel's naivete is also being taken advantage of by lex at the same time um and and then we can you know so we can appreciate on that and then as we said for all the various metaphors and analogies that we can make out of this episode from as you said, from the way we view celebrities and, and pop culture and athletes and, uh, you know, superhero comics through the decades and and all the way to like political commentary. It's it's just it's just a masterpiece. And uh, yeah, I think that's reflected, obviously, in uh, both of us giving it a perfect score. I will will just add it's it sounds kind of like silly at the at the if you just put it on paper like, oh, Superman. Superman gets tricked into destroying, you know, this Lex Luthor's creation. Like that kind mm-hmm. of sounds silly, but because of the way that the story goes, uh, Superman's desire to just not like he holds this grudge. He can't believe that Lex has turned over a new leaf. Like he knows him. He knows him mm-hmm. intimately. He knows that there's no possible way he has to be up to something. So the fact and and he's right. He absolutely is right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Lex is one step ahead of him or two steps ahead of him in this whole thing, like it makes it work. It makes it work so, so, so well. Um, yeah, there's it's it's so good. Oh, my goodness. I can't I, I just can't <laughs> say it enough. It's really, really good. Uh, man, we could talk about the plot, I think, for the for the rest of the evening, just, you know, how how fun it is. Um, I there are little bits. I love the the Bruce, the Bruce and, and him interaction, too, as you mentioned during the fight, like Bruce is clearly trying to like. Bruce is trying to be the voice of reason a lot in the episode and then ultimately mm-hmm. has to be the one at the end to be like, no, you're OK. Like you got tricked into this. This was a this was an elaborate plot. Like, I know you want to own this, but this was an elaborate plot to fool you. Um, so Bruce, Bruce definitely has a has an interesting, interesting dynamic. I also, of course, we know we have the benefit of knowing where this is going. But clear, clearly you can see the seeds being sown here for is this team going to take the ultimate authority of being the justice Lords? Are they going to head in that direction? Because they're suddenly deciding they're the deciders. I ironically to, to, to borrow a quote from, from the aforementioned uh, president Bush, like they're <laughs> the ones that are deciding who, who gets forgiven, who doesn't, who's right, who's wrong, who's, you know, who's up to something, who isn't, um, they're the ones that are in charge and they're the ones that regardless of what everybody else is saying around them, they're going to move forward and they're going to make the choices as, as to, you know, who gets, who gets power, who doesn't, who's capable of redemption, um, and, uh, who's up to no good and who isn't. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's so, so many great things about this episode. I just want to keep talking about <laughs> it, but let's move on to our next category, Liam, for the sake of time. And that is animation and visuals. As we mentioned, Dan Reba was the director for the episode Dong Wu responsible for animation. Um, man, this is uh, there's, there's like a couple of, of, of production inconsistencies, some things that, um, little tiny mistakes here or there, people's eye color changing, um, you know, a th- couple of scenes that were, you know, that Superman's like 
S in the scene where he gets bear hugged, his S reappears because they kind of reuse the same, Mm -hmm. uh, the same scene when he gets shocked before it gets burned off. Um, So there are a couple of things that are like, yeah, those should have been caught, but I mean, we could go, we could go on again, probably for hours talking about the fight sequence between, (laughs) between the Mm -hmm. two of them. So let's save that for the very end to kind of chat about, did you have any other highlights that you really enjoyed that, uh, that kind of stood out for you visually? Oh, well, I mean, first and foremost to me, it's just getting, getting Shazam Captain Marvel brought into this world for the first and, and really only time, at least in on, on the television screen, there's some tie in comics and, and things that uh, that he and, and some of the other Shazam family appeared in. But uh, just getting him in this world, it is pretty much like those very early, uh, you know, uh, uh, Fawcett comics. Shazam was just brought into the DC, you know, the DCAU. It's the, it's the classic suit. He's got like the, the smaller cape that kind of hangs over one of his. It's like the Elvis cape, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got like he's got like the big collar and it kind of it's it does it's not doesn't really go down past doesn't even like go down to his uh, to his waist. Like it's the short little shoulder thing and uh, and and just the the way he interacts when he when he transforms and, into Billy Batson and he has he doesn't have any whites in his eyes. He just has these big round eyes again just straight out of those those very early comics so you can see that they you know wanted to pay homage to the sort of the the very classic version of the character and that design um i think i think that's that's a lot of fun and and yeah that that whole opening action sequence as mentioned where uh you know as many times as we've seen the parasite fight superman we just saw him last week in fact and when we reviewed secret society uh, seeing him take on other Justice Leaguers' powers, I don't think we really saw that at all. Uh, uh, certainly not, uh, certainly not uh, at, at any length. So it's fun to see him. Uh, that sequence where Batman is sort of one on one with him, and he's he's getting stretch and he's stretching, and you know, Batman throws the exploding batarang, and he begins to explode, and then sort of reconstitutes himself and. And then he's lighting the batarangs on fire and everything using metamorphose powers. That's a really, really fun sequence, I think, just to open the episode. And then, uh, you know, Superman catching the plane. We always talk about how it can be dodgy when the 2D animated characters have to directly interact with the CGI vehicles. Mm-hmm. But I think they they managed to pull that sequence off pretty uh, pretty succinctly as far as we started to see Superman fly underneath. And then I think it's, it's kind of changed where the, the plane is more just painted into the background. And we just sort of have, uh, we use the motion of, of Superman and then the Cape and everything going as he's, as he's putting out the fire. I always, always like a good Superman problem solving sequence where he's, you know, using the breath to put out the fire in the engine and then, then flying it back. So that, that whole opening sequence I think is great where you really set up the drama and there's a little bit of like, Oh my gosh, is Superman going to make it in time to uh, to save the rest of the Justice League? But then this 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 newbie comes literally blurring into the screen and and saves the day. I think that's a that's a really fun opening sequence and and uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a lot of fun. And then as mentioned, and we'll talk about the actual fight itself, but really throughout this entire episode, I assume this was a deliberate choice. No matter what Lex is saying or what emotion he is supposed to be uh experiencing 
his face does not change <laughs> like hardly at all other than like maybe his eyes kind of shift a little bit or he gets like the tiniest little like smirk on his face mm-hmm. like he's just like and which to me works so well because it's like it's obvious that he's putting on this 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 uh, persona to try to irk superman so much but it like to me that i like i i don't and it's one of those things where i don't know if this is intentional or if it's just because this Lex design, it's harder to emote with him. But I just took it as him like he can he can kind of put the right inflections on his voice to sound to sound like a, a regular guy, like a changed man. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you know, the eyes don't lie type of thing with mm-hmm. Lex in this episode where he's just very, you know, he kind of just has that default uh, sort of smug look on his face, even when he's. You know, even when he's sort of trying to quote unquote reason with with Captain Marvel and Superman towards the end of the episode, or or when he's on the uh, the uh, the talk show at, at, in the one sequence, so I just uh, I, I really enjoyed the visuals of how kind of annoying and irksome Lex is in this episode. Yeah, that uh, that little bit of subtlety that they did, whether it's him at one point, I think during the uh, during the interview, the the fake Fox News interview, he he sort of looks directly into the camera with this very devious look when he's talking mm-hmm. about the hot girl situation. And then uh, it, I think at the end, as we talked about as he's walking away, he does feign like a, a very sad, dejected look when he's when he's walking away mm-hmm. with this with the statue head in his hands. Uh, <laughs> but it's very clearly, clearly like a very over the top animated sad face like he's putting mm-hmm. like they let you know that he's putting it on um it's the same thing when he when he talks about how this is the he has to push the microphone aside as he's giving this speech to to say that it's an emotional it's the most emotional <laughs> day of his life or whatever or his this biggest accomplishment in his career uh very funny uh equally i think superman's very stoic stone-faced reactions during that scene are, are really good uh but uh yeah i think the uh, the scene as we mentioned with uh, with Batman and Superman talking where they're they're taking on uh, bl- the the conglomerate of Black Mask, Crowbar, Fastball, Shatterfist. Uh, what was the name of that that group? The Cadre. The Cadre, yeah, yeah. They're they're interesting looking. Like they definitely these are these are little Easter eggs that they dropped in there for for fun. It could have been anybody. Uh, but the fact that that Bruce and Batman are having a, a, a deep conversation while leisurely taking care of these villains uh, <laughs> is was one of the funnier moments. Batman gets to use his electrified knuckle busting like brass knuckles, electro knucks. Uh, so I got to got to love that. That was a pretty neat visual. I do love the callback. I thought that the Superman saving the plane was a was an excellent callback to Last Son of Krypton. Uh, you know, we get that that shot in the uh, the original, the first episode that we ever see Superman in. He he saves that plane, so I love that sort of callback to that, and doesn't do it the same way twice. Um, I'm usually the biggest critic. Longtime listeners will know of the CGI, uh, the use of CGI when it comes to planes and automobiles and and the like. And uh, I think there's still something a little wonky off with like the frame rate a little bit, especially when he's kind of putting the the airplane down. It just doesn't interact well with the the digital animation that you're seeing. 
uh, the traditional animation. But uh, as far as masking it into the into the scene, especially when it's not a a, a scene that takes place uh, it, at night, it's a, it's a daytime scene. So you can't really hide it with shadows and the like. They did a did a decent job with that. Um, I, I too concur with you. I love that they, they pretty faithfully adapted the, the Captain Marvel look into the, uh, into the, into the DCAU, uh, while still also maintaining its, its, you know, its traditional Bruce Tim looking barrel chested. Uh, he does have a little bit more of a rounder jaw. It's still like somewhat squared mm-hmm. off, but he does have a little bit rounder d- differentiating him between the man of steel but uh, I think we've uh, we've probably other than Shazam's transformation, I liked that too. Uh, when when he's at the he's at the reveal, we finally get to see the transformation as he sneaks off behind the statue and he stands there. He kind of classically puts his arms out uh, to receive the lightning mm-hmm. and then does the transformation that way. And again, ripped directly out of a out of a comic book panel for sure. But uh, we've we've delayed enough here to, uh, talking about the highlights, uh, the other highlights. I think the highlight, though, for me is this epic fight scene that that takes place between Superman and and Shazam. And there's really no delay to it. Like when they decide that they're going to go at it, it's immediate action. And uh, I think when Superman throws uh, throws him by his cape, kind of twirls him around, throws him away by his cape. And then we get the classic two heroes starting at opposite ends of the screen and they're running towards, or in this case, flying towards each other with fists out. And then we get kind of close up shots of them both rearing back. And then they kind of both meet with punches and both end up going in the opposite direction. And we see the glass of the buildings around them shatter. Another thing that I feel like was, a uh, was, uh, was, uh, influenced in the, uh, in the Snyder Snyder Superman film. Mm-hmm. But, uh, boy, man, it's just beat after beat. There's hard punches thrown and being grabbed by the cape and hurled into buildings. And, uh, you know, we get these cl- occasionally get these very real close up shots of them rearing back and throwing fists. And uh, it's it is violent and vicious. And, man, it is action packed for four straight minutes of just like beating on each other. Absolutely, yeah. It's just that I think that was what I was impressed with. One was knowing this came so many years before the uh, the the Snyder films. The uh, I I was just I was very impressed with yes how how br- brutal the fight was, and I think I think what stands out to me is that really for the first time in in this universe in this televised universe, it's Superman fighting someone who is a pretty much an exact match for him in a very public place where neither of them are holding back at all. And so, yes, you have these, these giant shock waves where you see the buildings. And this is, I think also a good use of, there's definitely some, some CGI use as far as making the buildings rumble and the shock waves that go when they, when they collide is definitely, I think there's some, cgi effects there and i think it works very well sort of making the building shake and and uh and and all of that and as as you said yeah just the the viciousness of the fight itself and knocking each other through and through buildings and there's a, there's a couple of shots where superman is punching captain marvel through the building and we kind of follow them in sort of one continuous shot as they're just breaking through walls from one side of the building all the way and then out the other side back to the sky uh, just some really cool continuous uh, shots that, again, you know, credit to 
the to the director uh, Dan Reba and, and to the animation team on hand with uh, with Don Wu as well. And then uh, yeah, that that final bit there I think is great when when Superman, who is more experienced, kind of has overmatched him and and maybe he has this one last idea of uh, and and we get to see that even though he's a kid and that that's sort of one one of the the Shazam powers, which is sort of uh, maybe inconsistently applied in more recent uh, adaptions, which is that he has he's he's wise, like he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the that's the, the the S in Shazam is for the wisdom of Solomon. So mm-hmm. he uh, him he just grabs Superman and and calls the lightning down on him. I think is a really a really fun idea, and so, again something that's kind of a classic uh, comic trope that we've seen in a few different. Uh, a few different uh, versions of this so really fun fun idea to sort of end the fight that way with uh with him calling down on the lightning to try to just put superman out like that's his that's his hail mary to try to, to try to put him down and and the like the gnarly like burn chest scar that superman has after the lightning hits is is pretty neat as well so yeah it's it's just a really really fun sequence and and just uh, hats off to everybody involved yeah, it's uh, it's impressive, and until maybe the the final fight that we get for the uh, the next to last episode of of season two, um, I I think it's arguably the most brutal fight that you're gonna see uh, between mm-hmm. between uh, two characters. It's uh, it's rough. It's uh, it's impressive. The action, everybody just looks incredible. The choices for how they did different. Uh, close-ups and as i mentioned like the cuts where they cut into the character you know whether it's superman or captain marvel you know pulling fists back or you know uh you know whatever whatever the the brutal use of the of the uh the bank (laughs) vault as this like sledgehammer just pounding pounding and i was like oh my gosh like i did it's brutal superman is not not pulling punches with this guy mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's strong um so a couple there was a couple of things to nitpick a couple of inconsistencies so i couldn't give it a perfect score but i ended up giving a nine out of ten i think uh that that you could just watch that that fight scene uh on repeat probably for the next couple of years and and find new things to enjoy from it each each time you watch it it's uh it's really impressive yeah absolutely and and as, as we said ending it with the uh the uh, the press taking photos of Lex solemnly walking away, holding the head of the the the, the statue of the child is uh, is a great little bit there, and and that that very final shot of the episode of uh, of Lex and and Walter, they're in this like very low lit room, and they're they're toasting, and they just have these you know these these smirks on their faces. They're so happy their plan uh, you know came to fruition. I think that's such a great way to to go from that bombastic action to the you know the scene in the conference room with with captain marvel kind of reading them the riot act to this very quiet sinister moment to end it on you know to let us know that they're you know as as lex says that they're that that, that it's just getting started uh just fantastic and some some great visual cues in that in that final scene especially i think so uh, i also ended up giving it a nine out of ten so uh, another strong score from both of us. Yeah, I'll also mention the uh, the scene with after after Captain Marvel has has resigned from from uh, from the Justice League. They do a great shot of of him walking away, and you get 
you get the the point of view from behind him literally walking away um some spider-man no more panel vibes with that a little bit mm-hmm. get kind of that look from behind him really the finality of he's not looking back like he's done at this point like he's he's <laughs> really really done so greatly enjoyed that yeah and a couple other just little visual things one is in the first scene when he gets called in, into the uh, the principal's office, as it were, and Superman's reading him the riot act about all the things they shouldn't do as uh, <laughs> as superheroes and how they're a symbol and we don't we don't endorse presidential candidates. He, he and then he goes, we don't sell deodorant on television, <laughs> and Flash like hides his face <laughs> because as we saw in uh, I would say it's an eclipse. He's uh, uh-huh. he's. <laughs> he himself did attempt to uh, to cash in on his good name a bit, so <laughs> but that was a that was a very funny little uh, little little visual bit of humor there. And then uh, my only other like sort of Easter egg note is that the hospital that Captain Marvel and and Superman destroy in their battle in Lexor City is named after Lena Luthor, which uh, depending on the version, sometimes that's Lex's mom, sometimes that's his daughter. I think in the uh, the Supergirl live action show, it was his sister. So I, uh, another fun little bit of uh, a lot of a lot of fun Easter eggs as far as the uh, the backgrounds and, and names of things in this episode. Yeah, we also mentioned uh, Lex Luck Lexor. Actually, it's Luxor City in the in the show, but Lexor City was apparently the planet Lexor. This is this is from the DCAU wiki, by the way. A tribute to the planet Lexor from comic book stories of the 70s and 80s. Lex Luthor became a heroic figure to the people of a distant planet, so much that the planet was renamed in his honor. Luthor would so- <laughs> retire from crime to benevolently guide the worshipful populace of Lexor to prosperity. However, Lexor, much like Krypton, was destroyed, an event which Luthor would unfairly <laughs> blame on Superman, <laughs> reigniting the ongoing rivalry. Is this still canon? I hope this is still canon. So. Things that I think should always be canon are that Superman uh, made Lex bald by blowing chemicals into his, <laughs> by blowing out a chemical fire with his super breath and the fumes causing Lex's hair to fall out. That should always be canon. Uh huh. And I think Lex, Lex having a planet called Lexor that he, that he was the hero of that uh, that he screwed up and then he blamed Superman for. That should always. Uh, that should also be brought back so uh james gunn if you're listening we got uh we got the announcement that he's he's writing and directing that new superman movie in a couple of years uh, balls in your court sir bring back lexor <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right moving on to our next category liam which of course is going to be music as you mentioned at the top dynamic music partners responsible for this week's soundtrack Man, there's a uh, there's a couple of great things I think about this uh, this soundtrack. We get a couple of good callbacks. We get uh, a little bit of the Batman, the animated series theme when we first see Batman uh, enter the mm-hmm. enter this his scene and fighting Parasite. We get a a very pronounced uh, Shirley Walker Superman theme as Superman flying uh, flies in to save the uh, the plane from from its uh, certain doom. Uh, so r- right off the bat, we're already we're already scoring extra points here in my book with these these hero themes. And then uh, we do get uh, we do get a little bit of a Shazam theme that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's played. It's sort of this gradual crescendo. It's uh, played, I think, 
as the Superman, as Superman and him are, are about to come to blows, it also sort of plays, but more in a minor key. So they mm-hmm. do play that theme back a couple of different times, a couple different ways, but it's most prominent in its original form when we first see him uh, kind of wrapping up Parasite. And then as he's uh, he's introduced to the press, we get it a, a little bit more. But um, I would say the the strings uh, that that play during Captain Marvel's speech at the end where he's he's kind of reading doing the reverse. He pulled he pulled the Uno reverse card and is reading the Justice League, the riot act at the end. <laughs> um, you know, the the strings that accompany that that speech as he talks about is them, you know, him looking up to them, them being a disappointment. They're not his heroes anymore. He's quitting the league. And then that sort of finality of him walking away. Uh, just soundtracked perfectly. It was like I was like, man, this this could be right out of a movie. Like this is this mm-hmm. is this is strong strong stuff from from our dynamic music partners. And then uh, I think uh, polishing everything off the uh, the the cherry on top. I think is that the final scene with Lex uh, and the reveal of uh, of uh, his his diabolical business partner. Uh, well, not business partner, but plan partner in crime here. And uh, I, I I think that the the I think that the the soundtrack that accompanied that with Amanda Waller's reveal was was really strong also. So um, I ended up giving music a very strong eight out of ten. Like I said, with the with the callbacks, I, I felt like it was it was good enough to to boost it by a couple points normally. But those other things that they added in there and the 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 Captain Marvel speech scene, I thought was was also really strong. What about you? Yeah, I gave it the exact same score, uh, eight out of ten. I I really liked the Captain Marvel theme. There's, it feels almost like a cousin uh, to the to the Superman theme. It kind of feels like some of the some of the same notes, and and even though it's laid out much differently and played in a different key, um, and and it isn't quite as triumphant and 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 righteous maybe as the Superman theme. It doesn't quite have the pace to it, but mm-hmm. I think that also kind of works for the character who is you know. A, a little bit more simple and 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 simple not simple-minded but more more of a, a simplistic uh character who looks at the world a, a little bit more in black and white i thought the the music played into that very well and and again like a, like any good hero or villain theme the way you can play it as you said in in a, a certain key when it's a, a big heroic moment or you're introducing the character and then bring it back for more of an emotional beat or for, you know, an action sequence late in the episode as they do is always a uh, quite impressive. So yeah, yeah, an eight out of 10 for me as well. Love it. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, which is going to be voice acting. Um, we have a, not a huge cast because, uh, you know, we have a lot of characters that appear but don't actually speak. Um, <laughs> but uh, So we don't have a, a gigantic cast today, but uh, we have a couple of, uh, of notable, of course, main stars. And then, uh, of course, our, our Captain Marvel himself uh, is certainly worth talking about. Let's talk about today's voice cast. Yeah, we do like like we'll get about we'll get into the big ones, but we do have some a surprising amount of guest stars who are in like one scene <laughs> in this episode. Uh, uh, we have uh, we do have John C. McGinley as the Adam, um, and also briefly as uh, as uh, as the uh, the talking head on on the the news show. Um, Phil O'Bannon. Uh, of course, uh, <laughs> Phil O'Bannon, yes, uh, uh, playing, of course, John, John C. McGinley, probably best known from his 
his turn on scrubs as dr cox and and in office space as well kind of fun to see him back but very very brief he i think he has like two lines the adam in this episode funny enough but Mm -hmm. uh we also have Lisa Edelstein returning as Mercy, who you know played her in the original animated series and and in her subsequent Justice League appearances. Uh, very briefly, we have uh, Entourage's own Jeremy Piven as the Elongated Man <laughs> in uh, in that opening sequence as well, and uh, and then we have, of course, very briefly uh, returning uh, Dana Delaney as uh, as Lois Lane in a couple of scenes here. Um, at first, sort of talking with Captain Marvel at the start of the episode, and then. I think she gets to uh, to ask a question of of Lex at the uh, the big Lexor City uh, event. So, I mentioned all of those, and also uh, some funny uh, happenstance. We talked about the the similarities between Captain Marvel and Superman, and how that led to lawsuits and and lots of comparisons over the years. Uh, Shane Habucha, who, who voices Billy Batson in this episode also played the young Superman in Kid Stuff, uh, another JLU episode. And, uh, and if that's not funny enough, we'll, uh, we'll get to, our, uh, to one of our, our big guest star here in a minute there, but there's another uh, connection. Um, also briefly, we have uh, Robert Foxworth uh, reprising his role as uh, evil Colonel Sanders, Professor Hamilton. Um, you know what spelled backwards is? Lime. lime. It is. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> <laughs> Professor Lime Hamilton, <laughs> the evil twin. He's even got the goatee like the uh, the mirror guys on Star Trek do. I'm dying. Um... <laughs> Lime Hamilton. <laughs> uh, but yes, we have uh, we have Robert Foxworth as lime hamilton and uh and that sort of rounds out our guest cast and our and our main cast we do very briefly have carl lumbly as jean radioing into superman at the start of the episode uh but uh of course we have a little bit of of the late kevin conroy as batman as well as you said kind of playing the uh playing the good cop in this episode for mm-hmm. a change I love his and, line uh, about <laughs> about why why they like uh, he refers he refers to to Captain Marvel as the Boy Scout and Superman sort of takes offense to that a little bit. He's like, <laughs> I thought I was the Boy Scout, and he's like, Well, yeah, but then we met Captain Marvel, and he's like, I I don't get what everybody you know likes about him essentially, and then Batman's just like, We like him. He's sunny. <laughs> You were a little hard on the Boy Scout, don't you think? I thought I was the Boy Scout. I did too, till I met Captain Marvel. What did these guys want, anyway? To take over the world? Or Rob Banks? I forget. Back to Captain Marvel. Why are you, why is everyone defending him? We like him. He's sunny. (laughs) (laughs) The delivery, Kevin Conroy's delivery of that line. So, like, criminally underratedly funny. Like, just so good. Like... (laughs) So absolutely i i was uh, i was rolling at at, at at him at him referring to captain marvel as sunny i think that that's fantastic and yeah just a fun 
a fun reversal of roles to see see Superman kind of be the the aggressive one and, and Batman being the one trying to calm things down. I think it's a, it's a fun bit in the episode. Uh, but yes, we have uh, we do have Clancy Brown, as mentioned, uh, as Lex. And again, like we said, kind of match with this very sort of smug look that he has on his face throughout the whole episode uh, in the best way possible. Uh, Clancy Brown just just hamming it up left and right as as politician Lex Luthor, as public persona Lex in this episode and clearly having a great time. And uh, and it shows. Yeah, it's from from the get go, like from his little little appearance when uh, Phil O'Bannon tries to get him to talk about his his presidential campaign. He's like, oh, I'm not here to talk about that. <laughs> like, he's, it's so good. And then at the end the, to, to the end where he, he's toasting and he's talking about, you know, he's laughing sort of maniacally that not only did uh, did Superman get embarrassed by this, but it boosted Lex's benevolent public image. <laughs> and he's popping the champagne as he toasts with Amanda Waller. It's it's so, so good. Un, unsurprisingly, if you've heard any of our episodes before that have uh, have talked about Clancy Brown's performance, he's incredible. He's he's truly a gift. His Lex Luthor performance is uh, um, just so dynamic. And this this one, he's playing just a little bit. He has to be he's he went from like the unhinged Lex from the Injustice League episodes to this this version of Lex where he's still unhinged, but he has to keep it under wraps. It's 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 just a different way than he did when he was Lex on Superman, the animated series. It's just a little bit of like change in how he delivers the lines, but it's it's there if you listen for it. And it's so, so funny. Absolutely. Yes, he's he's so good, especially as we find out the the plot of the episode is is so much centered around very publicly uh pushing superman's buttons he's just yes he's so over the top in in the best way possible in uh in communicating that is mr brown so a great job by him and then yeah we have our our, our main guest star of the episode one jerry o'connell voicing uh captain marvel aka shazam in this episode which is uh Funny for a couple of reasons. One being, of course, he is a a you know a, pr- a pretty famous actor in his own right, and for some reason he had a talk show for a couple of years. I was going to say, I, 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 guess I, I would refer to him as Television's Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> Television's Jerry O'Connell. Uh, you know what? I guess at a certain point, you you try the syndicated daytime thing at some point. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, uh, Stand by Me is Jerry O'Connell. Kangaroo Jack's Jerry O'Connell as uh as as captain marvel in this episode who ironically and i i would assume uh based on them both working on this show uh perhaps james tucker uh was uh perhaps impressed with his performance as as a superhero here because when it came time to pick a superman for the what is sort of known as the dc animated movie universe or the Tuckerverse. As uh, as we kind of like to call it here, uh, Jerry O'Connell, in fact, got the nod as Superman for quite a few of those animated uh, uh, movies that came out over the last uh, over the, over the 2010s. So, uh, yeah, he clearly had that uh, that heroic uh, effort in him. But while I think he's uh, he's he's just fine as Superman, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk too much about mm-hmm. him as Superman. In uh, in any of those uh, DCMU uh, movies that we've reviewed, 
uh boy he's a great captain marvel because he has even though he does have this deep booming voice there's this very like childlike which of course you know is important i think to playing to playing this character there's a very like innocence and excitement and like you know uh uh it's like if if jimmy fallon's public persona were like authentic <laughs> Uh, like it's just like a real like wow this is so cool to all to everything he's doing in this episode like he's so earnest in everything he says when when superman's you know lecturing him over and over again about how you know life isn't that simple and we don't endorse supervillains and he just slams his hand down on the table and says well maybe it is maybe people can change like there's something so childlike in a you know in a good way of of the way that that's how much a child would react when you know when their parent or or their or their teacher or coach or whoever is sort of talking down to them and telling them they've done something wrong and they want to stand up for themselves and defend themselves they'll you know they he doesn't have a great argument to make for why he believes Lex has changed. He's just well, people can change, can't they? Mm-hmm. And and sort of as soon as he get he has that angry reaction, he sort of looks around and sees the rest of uh you know the the seven sort of staring back at him sternly, and he's immediately kind of sheepish and backs off. Like he's uh, I just man, I th- I think he's so fantastic in this episode of really capturing that like useful exuberance in an adult man's voice. No, he's he's fantastic. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he does a he does an incredible job. I think he's extremely authentic. He conveys that innocence that you're looking for, the excitement. Like he's excited to be a superhero. He's not beaten down and mm-hmm. world weary like Batman. He's not angry as angry as Superman. And it's also different than like the Flash, who's like a goofy grown up. Like this is the you mm-hmm. have to convey the the joy, the enjoyment, the oh shucks, as you mentioned, like the capturing that like 40s and 50s superhero style, all of that is captured here. And, and another fantastic, uh, you know, uh, uh, casting here by Andrea Romano for for this character, uh, because I, I think Mr. O'Connell did a, a great job of 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 capturing all of those different dynamics, while also at the end. He does he does come off like, hey, he's he's grown from the start of the episode to now. He may still be a boy at heart, but he's grown in his character and has to deliver that speech. The the speech that he delivers at the end is incredible. Like it feels incredibly authentic. Look, Captain, I want to no more lectures. I called this meeting and I'm going to have my say. But my whole life I've looked up to the league. You are my heroes, every one of you. And you, you were more than a hero. I idolized you. I wanted to be you. Whenever I was out there facing down the bad guys, I think, what would Superman do? Now I know. I believe in fair play. I believe in taking people at their word and giving them the benefit of the doubt. Back home, I've come up against my share of pretty nasty bad guys, but I never had to act the way they did to win a fight. I always found another way. I guess I'm saying I I like being a hero, a symbol. And that's why I'm quitting the Justice League. You don't act like heroes anymore. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and 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 it's authentic to the character too. It doesn't feel like he he changed like he changes the tone in which he's delivering the lines, but he's still doing it from that sense of like disappointment and sadness that you would get from a from a disappointed child. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a wonderful performance by Mr. O'Connell. Absolutely, and and I think equally great in this episode, unsurprisingly, perhaps is is George Newbern as a as Superman playing off of this character. And we see it, as we said, kind of from the first moments in the episode, there's a little bit of tension where he's kind of sizing up Captain Marvel and, and looking at him as the, you know, it's the, the Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Captain Marvel's the, the shiny new toy on the scene and, and Superman feels maybe a little underappreciated. And then as the episode goes on and it feels like he's being justified in his, in his sort of, uneasiness with with captain marvel because uh because of this lex stuff and then culminating in that scene you know he comes across he get he gets very sort of aggressive and 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 stuck up as the episode goes to the point where i think my favorite line in the episode is when <laughs> when captain marvel's trying to calm him down and is trying to say hey let's get let's get the atom or steel down here and superman just goes you don't have x-ray vision i do there's something down there. I need to stop it. Like he's so dismissive of him in a way, like in a way before, before the fisticuffs ever stopped, he's just like, he's so for lack of a better term, disrespectful to, to mm. Captain Marvel as a person in that moment of like, like get out of my way. You don't know what you're doing. You're the, you know, you're the wet behind the ears rookie. You don't know what you're doing. You're an idiot because you believe Lex Luthor is a good guy. Mm-hmm. I need to take charge here. You don't understand. Out of my way, Lex. I don't know what's down there, but... Hey, guys, guys, let's take it easy, okay? Captain Marvel, thank heaven you're here. He just won't listen. He's... You don't have x-ray vision. I do. There's some sort of device buried beneath us, and I'm shutting it down. No! If you touch it, it could go off. Go off? So you admit you put a bomb under this city. Not a bomb. An experimental fusion engine. It'll supply nearly free energy to everyone who lives here. See? Then why the lead shielding? It's for your protection. The engine creates energy through controlled fusion of kryptonite molecules. See? And why didn't you tell me this? Maybe... Maybe I was afraid you wouldn't believe me. Let's call the atom or steel to check the device over. See if what Luthor says is true. At least someone around here is keeping a cool head. There's no time for this. You can't just... That's it. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Plays into what we talked about, this, this theme of, of the cowboy, of, of the good guy running in, guns blazing, not wanting to listen to anybody who wants to tell him, you know to let hey let's let's pump the brakes and think about this before we act here he doesn't he just doesn't want to hear it because it's lex because he has mm-hmm. you know however many episodes of superman and however many episodes of justice league to uh uh worth of uh reasons not to trust that this is just a uh, a power device you know he has every reason to think it's a bomb that's gonna kill him if he doesn't stop it like and but it's so but the way it comes out in this like anger and frustration and just this dismissive attitude he has 
towards uh towards Shazam in this episode I think is just gosh it's great <laughs> unsurprisingly yeah. yeah it's outstanding I I concur I I don't know that there's much more that I can add I I did did enjoy again we get, get a little bit of just Batman and Superman talking to each other and I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that um I I do think the this idea that he's just this he starts off with this sort of it's a little bit of jealousy like hey he's stealing my thunder pun intended he's stealing my he's stealing <laughs> my spot like this guy is saved the day before i could get there he's getting the clout he's getting the attention uh the the other leaguers seem to really like him so you have this this like little thread of jealousy that he has to communicate but it's coming out in all of this dialogue as anger and that's typically, I mean, for for George Newbern Superman, at least early on in the show, most of his lines are delivered very calmly. Like he's very calm, calm and collected. He's a very even keeled guy. Like it's, it's Superman. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get. There's not a lot of excitement that comes out of him. Um, so the fact that we see this edge t- towards him or uh, to this character, uh, and that he has to deliver it, we get to see a little bit more of the range that that uh, Mr. Newburn has, and uh, he, I think he he nailed it for this uh, for this performance. So yeah, I I, uh, I I I thought that everybody did did just outstanding. I I think that uh, there wasn't a, a bad performance or something to nitpick across the board. So uh, I ended up giving voice acting a perfect 10 out of 10. Yeah, I went for the exact same score. Um, <laughs> hard to argue with it after all the, all the praise that we just uh, we just lavished on this episode. But uh, yeah, I, I think the line as as we and we mentioned it a couple of times, but in that in that final speech that the, that the captain gives before he walks out, he just just looks at them and again it, there is a bit of like childhood innocence being lost in that moment when he just looks at them and says you don't act like heroes anymore mm. and walks out like that that line really stuck with me in a way that i i don't think it ever had on a previous viewing before like how much how charged that is and how it cuts to what the issue is that the, that the Justice league is kind of overall facing you know as 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 it's already been brought up, right? As as back in in the Doomsday Sanction, when when Batman is is holed up with a you know in a cast, and and Superman and Wonder Woman are joking, and Batman says Cadmus is right to be scared of us. Like there's something there of the change that has happened, and you know the world is now looking at Superman saying, "No, you're the one that's wrong. Like <laughs> you're you're the one that needs to change, not." not the world here and like it's it's something interesting to just have it thrown in his face in such a simple a simple way like that just again hats off to uh everyone in the cast but especially to uh to jerry o'connell and george newburn this week agreed all right Liam, let's total up our scores here as we wrap things up and uh quote me if i'm wrong i mean correct me if i'm wrong but we uh pretty sure we were even across the board, four for four identical scores here today. So uh, shouldn't be too hard to do the math here. Once I tell you my final score ended up being a 37 out of 40. What about you? Uh, yeah, in fact, you were right. We were on the same page in all four categories for the first time in a long time. But uh-huh. uh, or maybe not. Maybe it happened recently. But I think we went three for four but recently. But four for four is not that's that tends to be a rarity, believe it or not. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, I am also sitting at a 37 out of 40 for my, my final score as well, which uh, 
knocks it just uh, just over the threshold to get into our top picks category as well as uh, mm-hmm. any episode that we rank uh, 36 or higher. So uh, this yeah. one definitely belongs in there. Uh, I don't even really think we need to talk about nope. rewatchability this week. It's it's a it's a big linchpin episode for this Cadmus arc. It's yep. the one and only appearance of an iconic character in this universe. Yep. And it's just a great episode. So yep. three for three. Three thumbs up for rewatching. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. All right, Liam, that will begin to wrap things up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, we would love your support for the podcast. You can do so a myriad of different ways, a few different ways to do that. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whichever one you listen to us on, subscribe to it. If it lets you leave a review like Spotify or Apple Podcasts does, uh, leave a five-star review for us and leave a little blurb about what you like about the podcast. You can interact with us via Spotify. We post our polls and our questions of the week. Those are Spotify exclusives because we are a Spotify podcast. So if you listen to us there, head over, you can answer the questions, respond. We'll usually pin the best answers or the answers that we receive. So uh, feel free to interact with us and vote in our poll. You can also interact with us via our social media at DCAU Review. Another way to support us is to follow us both on Twitter and Instagram. You can do that. Uh, you can also check out the show notes. If you want to support us and uh, you know, if you're know you feeling generous, you want to support us with some finances, uh, there's a link that you can donate to us directly if you'd like to in the show notes. It's also uh, available on our Spotify for Podcasters page. Or uh, you can also head over to, to dcaureview.com and check out our shop. There's a link to that in our show notes as well. Uh, of course, Last but not least, uh, support us by going over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe there, you know, hit the notification button and, and uh, like our videos as they are posted. Liam, we are continuing here in the month of March with more Justice League. What are we looking at next week? That's right. We'll be uh, we're reviewing yet another episode in this incredible Cadmus arc. And that is the, the very next one on the docket. Uh, that being maybe maybe the most famous episode of this of this whole arc is just a single episode that sticks out. Uh, that being uh, the very well remembered question authority. Mm, another question led episode. My favorite character from Justice League Unlimited. A lot of people's favorite character from Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to check, check that one out with you. A legendary episode. It's going to be a blast. But until then, I'm Cal and I'm Liam. We'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.